today's episode, we're going to be talking about the Stanford Prison Experiment. I'm Sophia. <laughs> I'm Jewel. I'm Mark. I'm Emma. Um, and so the Stanford Prison Experiment was a two-week simulation of a real-life prison experiment. Let me restart, because this is already getting the jitters. But, uh, okay. Should we start from the very beginning yeah. again? Okay. Yeah. Back to one. Cut it. That works. Yeah. Okay. Um, in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the Stanford Prison Experiment. I'm Sophia. I'm Jewel. I'm Mark. I'm Emma. And the Stanford Prison Experiment was crazy. So it was a two-week simulation of a real-life prison experiment and experience. Um, it was conducted to examine and observe the psychological effects of authority and powerlessness in a prison. It was harsh, and there was a high-stress environment for the participants. This simulation took place from August 14, 1971, until August 20, 1971. But the actual, um, like, things that were happening to the prisoners started on the 15th, um, and, like, prep day was on the 14th. It was conducted in the basement of Jordan Hall at Stanford University, which is the psychology building. Um, what was supposed to be a two-week experiment was stopped and terminated after only six days because of the effects it was having on the participants. The original number of participants was 24 Stanford students, so 12 to play the prisoners and 12 to play the guards. Um, and only nine of each group were actively involved, and they had three alternates for each group. Like, they had backup people for them. Um, but all in all, I think there were like 10 prisoners and 11 guards because some of the prisoner participants were removed due to psychological breaks yeah. and mm -hmm. um, things that they were experiencing throughout the thing. Um, these students had no previous records of criminal activity or medical conditions or any psychological disorders. And out of um, 75 applicants, these men were selected to participate after they applied through an ad in a local paper. Um, they were paid $15 a day to take part in the experiment. And I just think that's crazy that they just were like, hey, look at this ad in this paper. I'm going to go apply. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's to, so shocking. Yeah, put myself through this um, and just pretend to be a prisoner or pretend to be a guard. Um, their roles in the experiment were chosen at random. I think they flipped a coin. Yeah, yeah, really? I think so too. I think they, flipped they just a flipped a coin. Everyone. Yeah, <laughs> chosen random. Um, Dr. Philip Zimbardo was the mind behind the social and psychological experiment. Zimbardo was a psychologist who taught at Stanford University for 50 years, and he retired in 2003, which is crazy to me because like my sister was born in 2003, so this is still relevant yeah, and like so yeah, for pretty sure. recent. Um, he's currently 89 years old, so the man's aging, but still. Mm -hmm. um, I think he was, like, after he retired, he did some seminars and, like, some um, other classes around other universities. But this was, like, his main break. And, like, yeah, he's got a bad rep now because <laughs> of it. Yeah, <laughs> his so. one-hit wonder. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um I've found evidence supporting the idea that the reason he wanted to conduct the simulation was to find out if um, American prisons were ha having increased brutality because of the mental health of the guards, so like a dispositional situation, or if it was because of the environment of the prison, like a situational reason. So that's what his 
original reasoning behind doing this um, experiment was for, but I don't know if he ever got his full answer for that. Um, but yeah, so the Stanford prison experiment started out calm and practical. Um, on the first day, the 14th, the guards were like given instructions and like told how to um, diffuse situations and such. And um, yeah, they were basically given the behind the scenes look on the 14th. And then the 15th, the participants were arrested from their homes without warning by real cops and oh, treated yeah. like real criminals That's from terrible. that day until the end of the experiment. Um, and those were the prisoners that were chosen. Um, they were given, or they were taken to the police station and their information was processed. And then they were blindfolded and then taken to a fake prison setup in a creepy basement in a psychology <laughs> building on campus. Um, they were stripped from their clothing and all of their personal possessions were taken. They were given prison clothes, which was like a dress, like a gown, yeah. um, and, and bedding, and then a number. And that number was used to identify them for the rest of the experiment. Um, the ID number was used to make the prisoner feel anonymous, and everyone had to be called out only by their ID numbers, basically stripping these people from their identities. Um, and then the brutality begins. Um, the guards were instructed to do whatever they thought was necessary to maintain law and order within the um, fake prison uh, and to command the respect of the prisoners to themselves. So no physical violence was permitted, and this was told to them on the day that they were given instructions. Um, but that left the guards to abuse the, the people with words and harass the prisoners with any means of way that they wanted, basically, um, dehumanizing the prisoner participants through this simulation, giving them petty orders, pointless tasks, and insults. And I even like saw things where they um, were making them do push-ups if they didn't, if they smarted off, or like a guy like stuck his tongue out, because this was also documented and like they recorded parts of it yeah. for yeah. future use and everything but still I was very like are you crazy <laughs> that's just insane yes mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah um it was a very flawed experiment so I'm not sure how much of it could really be used as evidence to support Zimbardo but <laughs> um yeah the all the orders and the insults were taken by all of the prisoners and the guards got to just revel in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'll start off by talking about what happened with like the prisoners in the experiment. Um, like Sophia said, they got paid for it and that was the main reason most of them did it was the money reasons because all of them were college age students. Mm. They need it. <laughs> Um, during the experiment, they became so enthralled in it that they really thought that they were imprisoned for something and were having emotional reactions to it, which reflected the guards' reactions, and it went downhill very quickly. <laughs> um, there was a rule made for them that, they, that anyone could leave at any time, but none of the volunteers did that unless they were having such severe reactions that they were let go, so none of them voluntarily left. I guess... I think they forgot that they yeah. could. Okay, probably. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. 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 They forgot that they probably were allowed under stress. Yeah. <laughs> um, they seem. Yeah. 
They seemed to forget that it was just an experiment and I could leave whenever they wanted. There was one specific um, volunteer, his name was Doug, or he was known as Prisoner 8612. He was the mm-hmm. first person to be released. I think it was the second day or third day, something like that. A little that early. Yeah. yeah. He was the first one to be released, and um, he came back dur- the next day to try to get some of the other prisoners out. I think he... Oh, wow, he tried to get other people get out? Yeah. I heard about him, like, in the research and the videos, mm-hmm. but I was like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, because I think him and some of the other prisoners were, like, trying to get out or mm-hmm. trying to think of ways to get like, out. like, banded together. Like a jailbreak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it was. Um, this, uh, Zimbardo wrote a book later after the experiment called The Lucifer Effect about the experiment, and in the book, um, it was mentioned that the prisoners perceived the guards. I just thought this was an interesting thing. I was like, that's weird. That the prisoners perceived the guards to be taller than them, mm. even though most of them were the same height and like the same build and all that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. That's like, interesting. Yeah. I also um, saw that they were wearing sunglasses. Yeah. Like, because they didn't want the. Like, the guards were wearing sunglasses because they were, they didn't want the prisoners to be able to see them. And yeah. Like, yeah. like oh. they didn't want to make eye contact, like, oh. at all. They were, like, special made reason. sunglasses, like apparently. Like, like, less human. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. Ew. I don't like that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, a lot of the prisoners broke because they lost their self of identity due to their surroundings and not having their own life, essentially, because they were, they were not mentioned by name, only by number. They had no belongings, no clothes, just the same outfits for everyone. Um, the same prisoner as earlier, Doug, said that he didn't like not having a choice in, in it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, as for the guards, um, during the experiment, the guards seemed to be only abusive when it was triggered by something in the experiment. So none of it was because of their personality or their mentality of anything it was triggered by something um again in Zimbardo's book they they described three different types of guards that the volunteers like kind of acted as there was like the good guys the bad guys and the ones that had just gone by the book and just did their job played by the rules the good guards never stood up to the bad ones um when they were not treating the prisoners right um after the experiment um, a lot of the volunteers felt relieved, but some of the guards, um, sorry, some of the guards were ready to apologize for going too far, because I guess it, like, clicked in on mm-hmm. that, oh, yeah, like, this is, this isn't real. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so some of them were ready to apologize for going too far. Um, some of them thought that their actions were necessary for playing the role of Ooh. a guard. That's shocking to me. Yeah. That is I don't really know how they saw that as I, necessary to what yeah, they were doing. I don't yeah. either. I wonder if they were thinking they should like pretend to be what they think is a guard, like yeah. what they've mm-hmm. seen in media or whatever, and so they think they should be rude and harsh. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That that that's probably what it was. It's kind of weird though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um. So yeah. 
some of the guards were sad that the experiment was ending so soon. A lot of it was because of the money reasons. They did it for the money. They so just then it got the cut money. short. <laughs> so they didn't, they didn't get paid for like a week and a half. Right. For like yeah. a week and a day. True. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was one reason why a lot of them were upset that it was ended. But some of them enjoyed being in power, which is why they were upset mm. it was ending. <laughs> Weird. Um, again, another thing I found interesting was one guard noticed that whenever he wasn't in the experiment, or I guess after the experiment, he noticed he was being bossy towards his mom. <laughs> so That's, it was carrying wow. over outside the experiment, too. Yeah, it's a little funny. <laughs> yeah. A little bit, but it's also that poor mom. No, yeah, <laughs> Uh, so for Zimbardo, um, after the experiment, he realized that it wasn't good, and he had apologized for um, the impact that it had on the volunteers. Um, but during the experiment, he did not intervene once, not at all until they ended it, um, even when the abuse became extreme. So he saw nothing wrong with the experiment or what was going on until his girlfriend, Christina, and him fought about it. And then he saw that there was uh, sexual harassment happening. And, and he was like, oh, mm. maybe let's not do that. Um, so Christina was a graduate student, I think at Stanford. I might be wrong on that. But she was a graduate student who worked with Zimbardo. And they started dating. I don't know when. But she was a viewer of the experiment mm. at some point and noticed that it wasn't good for anyone in the experiment and she was confused as to why he was doing this so they thought about it and she was the one that kind of made him realize that it was not good and that it should be ended um so she saw that the volunteers had been controlled by the experiment and had internalized the prison values that were hurting them and that distanced them from their own human values so she realized it's not good yeah (laughs) so Um, So, kind of going off of, like, how you're talking about how it ended, one of the main reasons that the experiment really started to end was they brought the parents in so they could talk to some of, like, the prisoners that had been there for a while. And the parents were only allowed to talk two at a time with, like, one, like, child or one college student that had been put in there. And they were supervised the entire time. And the guards before the parents came made sure that, like, the prison was cleaned. They made Mm -hmm. sure that they showered. And they fed them a lot of food right before... The parents came, and when the parents came, some of the prisoners were complaining. They were like, we haven't eaten in multiple days. I haven't been able to sleep. Uh, most of the parents said that, like, their kids looked, like, sleep-deprived. They looked like they hadn't had any nutrients. Oh, so they actually called in a lawyer to come talk with some of the, like, prisoners, and the prisoners were saying, like, you know, we feel like we can't leave. Um, sometimes we'll go and ask if we can leave, and they were getting denied that. They would call it, like, parole if they could get paroled. <laughs> and in the end, Zimbardo would, like, deny them yeah. that parole. Right. And Zimbardo eventually started to see that some of the prisoners were starting to withdraw, show signs of depression and extreme distress. Um, And of course, as you were talking about with Christina Maslach, um, she was one of the people that came in and what she said was, uh, she was filled with outrage and she said, it's terrible what you're doing to these boys. Um, And out of 50 or more outsiders that had come and seen the prison, she was the only one that ever stopped him and said like, this is inhumane this is terrible what you're doing to these, like, college students who are most likely not above the age of, like, 22. Um, 
And once she encountered the power of the situation, it became clear that the study should be ended. And she said that Zimbardo, because he was playing the role of like prison superintendent throughout it, she said that he had changed due to his role of prison, prison superintendent into someone who was unfeeling and uncaring about what was happening. She said that she did not recognize him from the man that she had met many years ago. And at this time, they were like dating, so like there's some questions about ethics right there. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she was the main one that like really brought it in and like helped end the experiment. And it ended after six days, even though they were supposed to go for two weeks. Um, and many prisoners had wanted the experiment to end from earlier within because they were showing extreme signs of depression and suicidal ideation. Um, some of the interviews that they did with the volunteers, such as prisoners or the prison guards after the experiment, were very interesting. One of the prison guard, one of the prisoners, um, number 416, whose name was Clay, said that he began to feel that he was losing his identity, that the person that he had called Clay, the person that had brought him into the prison, was no longer there with him. He was only his number at that point. And he said that he did no longer feel like it was a prison experiment. He felt like it was an actual prison um, and that it was run by psychologists who he thought were sadistic oh, for the wow. treatment that they were putting them through. That's definitely creepy to think about. Yeah, it's, it's really shocking when you think about like the stress that they were under the entire time and that they weren't getting the help or like care that they needed in those moments. Yeah. Um, and I think the crazier part about number 416, Clay, who did that little interview was that he was brought in on only the fourth day of the experiment. So he was only in there for two days mm. in the end. Oh, and wow. he had that experience. Um, he There was at one point where he was taken into his cell and the other prisoners were screaming at him that he was a bad prisoner and he was crying and asking oh for help. And Zimbardo was the one that eventually like stopped the prisoners from shouting at him. So it was a very shocking um, excerpt to read from his interview. One of the guards interviewed I do not have a name for him. They just said one of the guards. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that <laughs> so guy. <laughs> I was about to say the one that they interviewed. So um, he said that he no longer viewed the prisoners as people. He viewed them as cattle that needed to be kept under control. Oh, and so that was some of the like reasons yeah. that like he was making sure that they were calling each other names, that like he wouldn't like let them get dressed in the morning, that they would wake them up in the middle of the night because he saw that as the only way to keep control. And throughout like the entire experiment, Zimbardo kept stressing to him that he needed, that all the guards needed to keep control over the prison any way that they saw possible. Um, and so this was one of the prime example of how prisoners and guards brought in the realness of the experiment over time. Uh, the situational setting and group mentality that they had going were easy enough to convince people that what they were doing was real. They really believed that they were in this prison setting they no longer saw themselves as these college students that were playing a role. They really thought they were playing that role. One of the other prison guards, Dave Eshelman, was interviewed about 40 years after the experiment. And this is another ethical concern that was brought up with him. But he said that he came in with a mindset that he needed to play a role. He saw it as acting throughout the entire thing. He thought they had certain like mission to make sure that he was being as cruel as possible. And he said that he had other people following along with him. Oh, wow. And that was one of the reasons that like he just kept doing it over and over again because he saw that he was like a leader to these other prison guards. And um, he said that like a lot of people would come up to him and say he was like sadistic and stuff like that. But he said like him and his friends know that like he's not a person like that. It was really just like the setting that they were in. Oh. 
and that it was unchecked throughout the entire time that they were like talking. Method acting. I was about to say (laughs) a real thespian. Oh yeah. Um, And then one of the prisoners was also interviewed forty years after, and his name was Richard Yako, and he said that when I asked Zimbardo's team that could I do if I wanted to quit, I was told you can't quit. You agreed to be here for the full experiment. That made me feel like a prisoner at that point. I realized that I had made a commitment to something that I now could not change. I had made myself a prisoner. So that was one of the prime examples of how Zimbardo denied some of the prisoners their right to leave. Mm. And that was one of the big ethical concerns that the APA brought up after the experiment, even though in the end it was found to be ethically um, ambiguous. Mm-hmm. But they were bringing up that like most of the prisoners were not allowed to leave throughout it. Yeah. Um, and a common sentiment among the prisoners was that they felt such heavy fatigue and distress at the fact that they couldn't leave that they lost hope of escaping. And at that point, they just kind of like bought into whatever the prison guards would tell them to do. And so to now talk about some of the outcomes of the experiment, because they were trying to find if situational factors or personal attributes were more important and like affecting someone's role and how they played that role. In the end, this prison experiment really showed that situational factors are usually the most important in like how people act and how they believe that they should act in a situation. Um, Back then in 1971, there was a problem within psychology that a lot of the time they viewed people's personal attributes, such as like their upbringing, um, how they learned, where they lived, um, and their like genetic material, how that would affect how they acted. And this was kind of like the first time that they were able to prove that like a situational factor, such as being in a prison where you can't like see daylight most of the time, where you're always under surveillance, that that's going to affect how you act more so than your actual personal attributes. Yeah, like being in solitude in a a box for a long period of time. Exactly. I I can't imagine. Um, no wonder they told us to walk during quarantine so much. <laughs> yes. walk, yeah. yeah, I was gonna say they were trying to avoid outside. the Stanford prison experiment in our own homes. Yeah. So. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. Um, and they found that many of the guards had been acting in dehumanizing ways that had escalated as, as the experiment had gone on, such as putting bags over the heads of some of the prisoners when they were being led to the bathroom, forcing them to defecate in bucks, buckets, stripping them naked, and denying them food and water privileges. Um, most of the experimenters found this very shocking, but it also helped to show that these men who had been normal, healthy young men before they had come into this experiment could quickly transform into these so-called monsters that were taking out these certain actions on other people that had supposedly been their friends um, just based on the fact that they were put into a prison setting rather than like their own personal attributes. That's crazy. I know. It's, like, it's very shocking. I wonder if, like, the people that were the prisoners, if they got chosen to be guards, or if for some reason, like, halfway through, they switched the roles. Yeah. If it had been different at all. Yeah. 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 I think that they did do that in the end for a different experiment, not mm. this one, sadly. Um, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, sadly, they were put through this for six days in the end. Yeah. Um, and one of the other important findings from this experiment was the emphasis on role expectations and how people should act. Um, As mentioned within the interview with one of the guards, he felt that he had a certain role to act out in it. And this experiment kind of helped to show that when people believe that they have a certain role or believe that they're already predestined to act a certain way in that role, that they usually will manifest into that like type of situation. 
Um, this idea of roles and expectations around societal roles is probably one of the most important conclusions that we see today. It showed the importance of how people are viewed and treated by society as a whole. And lose your spot. I did. I no, did okay. lose my spot. Um, thank you. Okay. Um, but one of the psychological effects during and after the experiment were also of very big importance to the experimenters in Zimbardo. That was one of the main things that he wanted to study. One of the biggest psychological effects noticed during the experiment was de-individualization. Mm. And this is an effect where people lose what they like really see as themselves and they mm -hmm. rather buy into like a whole group mentality. Mm. Um, and they usually will follow like whatever the group is doing. This was mostly observed among the guards. Mm. They felt no longer like when they had their glasses on and their uniforms on and they all looked the same. They kind of all into this like, oh, we're all doing the exact same thing. I should follow along with what the other guards are doing even if they didn't see it as being like ethically right mm. or the moral thing to do in the moment. It's probably why all like the good guards in quotes didn't didn't do yeah. something. Didn't yeah. Yeah. themselves or stop. The they just followed the leader. Yeah. yeah. And Zimbardo kind of used that as an explanation for the reason why he believed that good guards wouldn't intervene in the moment. So. Yeah. Um, and the prisoners tended to suffer the opposite effect. They usually lost sight of like group uprisings after they were like shot down. Um, they usually lost sight of like having like that group mentality of, oh, we need to keep hope, we need to escape this prison. And they eventually um, focused only on themselves and they usually became isolated and that's what usually led to depression and stress throughout the experiment. Um, and another psychological effect was learned helplessness, which is basically the belief that you have no control on the outcome of your situation. So you no longer even try if an opportunity is presented for you to escape that situation. Most of the prisoners suffered from this. They no longer thought that they could escape. They thought that no matter what they did, they were going to get punished. So then they just kind of gave up hope eventually. Um, obviously, uh, learned helplessness usually can lead to emotional distress and stress and depression. And it's also associated heavily with PTSD. And most of the prisoners after the actual prison experiment discussed that they did have PTSD oh, from wow. the experiment, that they were just so stressed out about what they had gone through, that they were having nightmares about it, um, that their sleep cycles were messed up for a very long period of time afterwards, yeah. usually upwards of six months. And um, they usually would hoard food and stuff like that because they were just so stressed out about thinking what? about when they were in that prison for only six days. Yeah, Zimbardo was like, they're fine. Yeah. He's like, we checked on them. They're doing great. Was it really worth $15 a day? <laughs> like, I, at this point, I, I would say no. I looked it up. $15 a day in the 70s was like a lot yeah. <laughs> compared to now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't know how much more, but enough. I think it's yeah. like 110 wow. in the list of fun facts. But like the long-term <laughs> effects of that, though, mm -hmm. I don't know if it's worth it. <laughs> it was truly shocking to just like read about what they felt afterwards because yeah. I didn't expect it to go on that long after the experiment. When they were right, saying like yeah. upwards of six months, I was like, That's crazy. oh my yeah. god, for only six days that you were in that experiment, yeah. like I didn't realize that that could have that much of a psychological effect. Um, and we can also see through some of the prisoners' reactions that eventually had to be let out, such as prisoners 8612 and 819, that they were suffering from learned helplessness, along with extreme stress and fatigue, because they were obviously not being able to sleep through the night. They were usually woken up every like four hours to make sure that they wouldn't have enough energy to actually uprise again. Um, 
And this can lead to a breakdown and hysterical feelings, which were observed in both of those individuals that were let go over time. And one of the final psychological effects that we could see within this experiment was positive and negative reinforcement. The prison guards experienced positive reinforcement when they would act um, harshly towards other prisoners because other prison guards would reward them by saying like, congratulations, like, oh, maybe I should do that. Yeah. Or it's like, congratulate them on like what they were doing in that moment. And so then usually they would become more harsh in like their actions or they would escalate in the future because they just wanted to keep getting that positive reinforcement and then the prisoners suffered the opposite effect of negative reinforcement. Whenever they would act out, they would usually get some type of negative punishment, such as not having your um, water bucket anymore, not being able to actually go to the bathroom in a toilet, mm. um, not being able to have your bedding on your bed anymore. So in the end, that usually beat them down, and that's usually what led to like the learned helplessness that was mentioned earlier, because they just no longer felt like um, they could actually go through with what they were doing. Yeah. So Zimbardo's whole point of this at the beginning was like purely like prisons, like what's going on? Prisons, guards, prisoners, why? <laughs> so, and he later like threw out everything that you guys are saying, like the experiment and all of what happened, like the effects afterwards mm -hmm. and just how they acted. He was like, maybe this is bigger than just prisons and it's actually <laughs> a power dynamic issue. Mm -hmm. So Zimbardo actually like studied after the Stanford prison experiment, like he changed his whole direction into just, I'm gonna continue to study this phenomenon. Oh wow. Yeah, it's actually really interesting. So of course we know that the Stanford prison experiment was around power dynamics and all the participants were of the same psychological health um, yet the power imbalance still happened, and we don't really know why. And like Mark said, there are theories that like the de-individualization and the learned helplessness are definitely reasons um, to explain why it happened, but we're still actually trying to figure out why. <laughs> um, there's actually another experiment done in, I believe, 2003, maybe? It was very recently, mm -hmm. well, not recently after Stanford Prison Experiment, but... It was recent, um, and it was the cookie experiment Ooh. where they would give people rolls of... Like bread rolls? No. Oh. <laughs> no, no like rolls, <laughs> I got confused. No, I should have mentioned the rolls and then the food. Okay. <laughs> but so you would be like, let's say Emma's the boss, Mark is an employee, I'm an employee, and Sophia's an employee, and we get a plate of cookies for a meeting. And we're eating the cookies, the meeting's going great, but there's one cookie left. And this experiment found that like two-thirds of the time, the person that's the boss would feel entitled to eat the last cookie. Mm. And like the employees would be like, oh, I don't want to take the last, I don't want to take the last one, it's not for me. And the boss would always just be like, well, that's mine. Mm. <laughs> oh, okay. So See, I would do that, but that's because <laughs> no one else is going to eat it. Yeah. Well, so that's what they were finding, because a lot of people are saying that Zimbardo had holes in his experiment. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Because he definitely he definitely <laughs> just kind of let it fly by the seat of its pant. Like, it yeah. wasn't yeah, it controlled. Wasn't out at all. At all. Um, so there's actually a documentary that Zimbardo um, narrated that came out in 2003, again, I do believe, <laughs> um, that Stanford made called A Quiet Rage, mm. where he actually talks about it in... Um, in the documentary, 
He gives all the power dynamic like examples. He mentions husband and wife, teacher and student, which I found interesting since he married one of his students. <laughs> and he's giving that as like a, an abusive power dynamic yeah. example. Yeah. I was just like, okay. And then like boss and employee, of course he said guard and prisoner. Mm. And he says in the documentary that almost every dynamic, the person in higher power will abuse the power. Mm. Um, and then the person in the lesser power will just take it. Yeah. Like, more times often than not. Um, so that's, like, what he spent his whole life since the 70s just studying, um, which is really interesting. Um, that's crazy. Yeah. It's insane to think that, like, the Stanford prison experiment had that much of an effect on him. Oh, yeah. End. Yeah. I feel like it's just his life now. He's, like, yeah. almost as obsessed about it. Yeah. Um and speaking of people like not really believing that it was a uh, valid experiment, which is its crazy thing on its own because it's so popular. Yeah. With the Sanford prison experiment. Yeah. yeah. There's people that just don't believe it's accurate at all. Oh wow. They just think it's like a freak case. Oh, oh wow. really? Yeah. So BBC actually tested the results in their own prison study in 2002, hmm. um, and they actually found different results than Zimbardo. They were oh. like the complete opposite where the guards lost their sense of togetherness because the prisoners felt so together that they were, like, this strong little group of, like, we got it, guys. It was, like, opposite. So, so Yeah, so it was opposite. So the guards were, like, well, dang, I don't know how to control y'all. Y'all, like, a little clique. I don't know what to do. (laughs) Yeah. So. Well, that just shows you how flawed the experiment was because Mm -hmm. I bet they just found some um, alphas to play guards in the first time. And then they just, their personalities took over and made the others um, submiss to their abuse. (laughs) Because they say everybody was at the same psychological level. What was that level? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what was their testing for that? Like, yeah. What did they yeah. ask? <laughs> was it a survey? Like, yeah, like, what did they ask? Like, did they choose type A people? Like, yeah. Like, right. Yeah. But that was crazy. And so the Stanford Prison Experiment is, like, this huge public debate because it, like, literally changed psychology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because psychology had to sit themselves down <laughs> and say, actually, we should care about the people that we're experimenting with. (laughs) Um, So the rules for psychology experiments actually changed after reviewing the Stanford Prison Experiment um, because at the time, like Mark said, it actually didn't break that many ethical rules that the ABA had in the 70s. Um, But later on, um, according to Dr. Saul McLeod in the American Psychological Association... He said because of the Stanford sorry, because of the Stanford prison experiment led to the implementation of rules to preclude any harmful treatment of participants before they are implemented. So they had to be like, hey, you might get hit. Like you can't just not tell them that that's gonna happen. You had to tell them exactly what might happen, like every single thing, oh, wow. before they can even be part of the experiment. Yeah. Um, and also, you had to sit down with a review board for them to listen to, hey, this is the experiment that I want to do. Is this ethical? To which they'll look at it and be like, yeah or no. Mm. Um, Which Stanford Prison Experiment did not have to do. Mm. And now we have to because of it. Um, Another thing that happened uh, ethically wise is Zimbardo breached his own contract 
during the experiment. Remind me what breached means. He, like, broke it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Because, um, like you guys said, um, the prisoners were told they could leave whenever. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then they were like, actually, you have to go in front of this parole board. Um, and then they would just not give you parole. Yeah. So yeah. you can't leave. Even though in the contract, it strictly stated you can leave whenever you want. Yeah. Yeah. But I they couldn't. the list of, like, the rules that the guards would, like, give the prisoners that one of them was that you could leave and they were obviously denied that yeah obviously um he also broke the rule that the guards can't hit Mm -hmm. the prisoners um because one night um and they never give names during all of this research the only name i could find was for like one prisoner the guards no clue yeah yeah um but apparently one guard came in to a prisoner's cell and, like, was going to mess up his bed after he had just made it. And mm-hmm, the prisoner yeah. had, like, had it at this point. <laughs> so he apparently um, grabs the guard by his neck and, was like, pins him. Oh, it was 8612. Oh. Quirky little 8612. <laughs> oh, Doug. Oh, Doug. How did we let go early? <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. But he grabs him by the neck and pins him against the wall and the guard said that he got freaked out and just hit him, oh. like, on the chin with his nightstick. And, like, just he got so angry. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and Zimbardo just did nothing about mm-hmm. it. Um, it was pretty crazy. Yeah. So I would have, like, tried to remove the guard at that point because then yeah. they broke oh, yeah. the rules. You, so they broke the contract, you should leave. Put someone else in. Right, right. Literally. I don't think they ever replaced any of the guards. I don't think so. But they had to replace one of the prisoners because yeah. it was, like, uneven at one point where yeah. they were letting people go. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. You would think that Zimbardo would have more compassion yeah. in mm-hmm. the moments, but, like... I think he needs a psychological test. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Actually. Yeah. Another interesting thing about power dynamics and mm-hmm. the Stanford Prison Experiment is this was a graduate experiment. Like, it was all graduate students. He was a professor. Like, this was top tier. Mm-hmm. You need to know things to do this. Now, 40 years later, is it 40 years? In the I 70s, so. that's 40. 40, 50 years. 50. Oh, oh, wow, 50. Because it's yeah. in 2022. <laughs> it okay. 50 years. 50 years, which I guess is a long time, but not really. Um, the power dynamics that were heightened in the experiment are actually now studied in A-level undergraduate courses. So they really kind of switched that up because they were like, this is a problem, and we need to make sure it doesn't happen again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So... I feel like that's something that I would want to know immediately when I go into psychology. Yeah, if you're studying psychology, like, you have to know Stanford Prison Experiment because it changed psychology so much, yes. ethically especially. Yeah. I so, took a psychology class my senior year of high school, and we didn't talk about it that much, but we it was mentioned. It was mm-hmm. a topic in yeah. high school. So yeah. Like, Power dynamics is um, tricky and probably beneficial for everyone in a business and your job exactly. like business. in a relationship like anything it's good to be aware of yeah. I guess yeah so speaking of Stanford prison experiment because that's what we're talking about and <laughs> Zimbardo so he's from Stanford University he got his graduate in Yale actually and then he's taught at Stanford um, but he went on to study shyness for 15 years after the Stanford prison experiment because he 
says that shyness is a prison. Uh, so he was connecting shyness with his own experiment. Shyness is an actual prison. He thinks shyness as like an own personal prison. That's a big leap. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I mean when I'm what like is shyness. Shyness I'm like confused. you're shy. Like you don't want Oh. <laughs> okay, your shyness. Okay, yes. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's kind of what I mean by, like, he's devoted his whole life to this experiment. Yeah. And I think... Doesn't that get bored? <laughs> no. Hey. Hasn't he found everything yet? Yeah. If he <laughs> likes it, but um, it's very interesting because while he was taking the Stanford Prison Experiment and then, like, projecting it onto shyness and his, like, hypothesis about it being its own prison, he created the first shyness clinic where his interesting goal, yeah i thought so too where his goal was to use therapy to prevent what happened in the prison experiment how does shyness relate to the prison experiment well because he sees it as you're putting yourself in this prison of holding yourself back right i don't think shyness and being abused in a prison yeah. are no. anything alike no, <laughs> no. That's why I was like, I'm going to bring this up because I think this man reaching real <laughs> yes. far. He's jumping to some conclusions Because he's like, yeah. in this was in the Quiet Rage documentary that he did about the experiment. And mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, ever since that experiment, I've just, I've noticed that when people are shy, it just reminds me of it. And I think <laughs> oh that gosh. they need to be broken free of their own prison. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> But his goal was actually to prevent um, the happenings of the prison experiment, but within yourself. So he would use therapy to prevent or to free them from their own prison of shyness. I see what he was going for. Yeah. Yeah. And Maybe, I don't think I feel comparing like it to a prison, right? Yeah. To his experiment, he might not be. He feels the best. a little bad Maybe. that he's yeah. like, I can't believe I let that happen. So now he's trying to project it into something positive. Yeah, trying yeah. to. And you um, said yeah. this was an actual clinic that he opened. This is an actual clinic in Stanford. How long yeah. did oh, it wow. stay open? I don't know if it's still open, but the documentary came out in 2003, so at least till then, or wow. from then. It amazes me that he was still allowed to teach people, like, after At this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> after the rules of psychology have changed because of him. Because yeah. of him. And he was still allowed to uh, teach psychology. Yeah. He's exactly. being, like, rewarded for it. And all these people are, like, with PTSD and actually, like, <laughs> really enjoying. messed up because of yeah. this. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, nobody had studied shyness before either. So he came to this discovery, and he said, thanks to my Stanford prison experiment. Oh, uh, he could, oh. yeah. Wow. We actually had, Stanford had an exhibit 40 years later where they displayed actual materials that were used in the experiment. Yeah, like they had one of the gowns and like the numbers and the nightsticks and, oh, wow. yeah, and you could like touch them. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe that they still had all that. Yeah. I wonder where they had been storing it. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy that they would think to store it. Like, I've obviously never done a psychological experiment, but I wouldn't want to keep it. I don't know. Um, it was so impactful. I feel like it makes sense for like, a place like Stanford to keep it for, like, archival yeah. things. Yeah. Whatnot. But it's still so... Yeah. That's weird. It kind yeah. of makes you wonder if, like, they knew in the moment how impactful it was going to be yeah. with what mm-hmm. they were studying, if that's why they, re- they reasoned that they kept it. Yeah. And tried to film it, too. Mm-hmm. Like, because yeah. they were like, hey, maybe we need this for later reference. Yeah. yeah. And Stanford keeping it, like, it just makes you wonder. And I tried to find something 
um, since the Stanford prison experience was like so, like not taboo, but just really messed up and everybody knew it was messed mm-hmm. up. Um, if there was anything at Stanford that is taboo or like a tradition or something that like you shouldn't do that here, mm-hmm. that like the university has because of the experiment, but I couldn't find anything, but it does make you wonder. Yeah. yeah. I feel like some of the students would be like, yeah. don't go in the basement. Especially, <laughs> yeah, especially like psychology students to like freshmen or something. Just yeah. like, don't go in the basement. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. from, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh no, I was just, just saying reacting. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I found a discussion question from the official Stanford Prison mm. Experiment website. Check it out. It's pretty interesting. Um, they said, after the study, how do you think the prisoners and guards felt when they saw each other in the same civilian clothes again and saw their prison oh. reconverted to a basement laboratory hallway? I haven't even thought of this. Yeah, I haven't either. Like, after the fact, just walk in to McDonald's. I don't think that I could be, be able terrible. to look. No, I wouldn't either. If I were a prisoner, I could probably couldn't look at I would probably any move of the away. guards. Yeah, move I was... away? <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, oh. I don't know. The traumatic experience of that. And, like, I don't know about you guys, but I associate certain smells or certain, like, places with certain memories. So I can't even imagine, like, them. I hope they're graduates because if they had to still go back to class or, like. I hope none of them were psychology students. Right. Because they would be in the. No, maybe not. I don't know. Because if if they were a psychology student, they would be in Jordan Hall. Right. All the time. Right. I wonder if they would have Zimbardo as a professor. Oh, <laughs> that would classes. be terrible. <laughs> switch. Switch classes. Yes. <laughs> switch classes. Oh my god. That would be... I haven't thought of that. Because yeah. I know they saw each other, at least one prisoner and one guard. Again, not sure who, because it wasn't yeah. stated in the documentary. But they did see each mm-hmm. other afterwards, because they were interviewed together. Yeah. Like in normal clothes and stuff. And yeah. the prisoner was like, and I know you're a nice guy, but I just, I can't see you. Like, I just can't yeah. do it. And yeah. he's like, how do you know I'm a nice guy? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> and I was like, that's where I kind of found it funny because they didn't know each other. Yeah. yeah. And that's the prisoner was like, I'm sure I know you're a nice guy, but I've seen you, what you can be. Yeah. And then the guard asked um, the prisoner, like, well, what if you were a guard? Do you think you would have done the done same, same thing? things? And he's like, I don't think I would have gone as far <laughs> as you did, yeah. but I'm sure I would have been just as bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Like, just fallen into the group and fallen into mm-hmm. the trap of going along with the plan, quote-unquote plan. Yeah. yeah. Um, just watching the interview of them together was so uncomfortable. Because, like, the prisoner was, like, hunched over and, like, didn't really want to look at the guard. Yeah. yeah. And... Because it's just so scary. Either. And obviously they have PTSD from it. Yeah, yeah. Like, this was recently. It had to have been recently after because they were still, like, in college and young when they were giving mm-hmm. this interview. Like, I think it was just a few months after so that's crazy. I was about to say something that I forgot. Oh, no. It's fine. Great. Okay, it'll come back to you. I hope so. So I have some fun facts Ooh. that we can also Here talk on. about. <laughs> so this was actually funded by the Navy. Oh. Interesting. <laughs> I think I, I saw that. that. Yeah. yeah. Um, it says approval for the study was given by the Office of Naval Research, What's the like- psychology of department. What? So what's the Navy have anything to do with psychology? <laughs> we'll get there. Ooh, There's okay. a little, like, conspiracy theory. Mm. Um, the psychology department and the university committee of human experimentation is all the people that, like, okayed this okay. and funded it. Um, and like Emma said, $15 a day in 1971 is roughly $110 a day. 
Oh, wow. In now times, in 2022. For six days. 110. 110. I wouldn't be willing to do that, sadly. So they would have made... No, yeah. (laughs) No. (laughs) They would have made almost $700 for the six days that they did. Oh. Actually? Well, then, I think about that. (laughs) Actually, guys. That's more than I make in one paycheck. That money's going straight to the therapy you need after. Oh, right. Right. Okay, right, Yeah. yeah. Another interesting take was that Zimbardo wanted to study power dynamics as he was dating a former student, mm-hmm. which he also mentioned, like I said, like a power dynamic example, he said teacher-student in the documentary. Uh, Yet yeah, you are the teacher. Yet yeah, you were the teacher yeah. and she yeah. was the student. Um, just kind of funny. Yeah. This one, hold on. Hold on to your seats. Oh. Are you ready? Yep. Okay. In 2002, Zimbardo was elected president of the American Psychological Association. Oh my! You are joking. God. I am not no. joking. He Why? was the president. <laughs> Why? Because he it? did this amazing thing that changed psychology, even though it was actually okay, awful. But, <laughs> but um, I understand it. that like he didn't break any ethical guidelines back then. Mm-hmm. But knowing what we know now and being mm-hmm. able to read back those interviews, I just think it's so shocking that he still had a place within psychology yeah, afterwards. Right. Like, I feel like if the reason you changed psychology is because you had to change the ethical guidelines. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you did something bad for it to become better. Yeah. Right? That I doesn't don't, mean you did a good thing. I don't right. think you should be celebrated like as much. Like, your morals are not right. <laughs> no. Wow. Yeah. So we know 8612. Yes, Doug. Yes. This is Doug. He had to leave because he was very mentally distressed. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe he's quoted to saying, I'm burning up inside, can't you see? Ah. Like, that's, like, mm-hmm. what he's known for. He was, yeah. like, famous for saying that in the recordings. When he went to Zimbardo, like, asking for a doctor because he wanted to leave, mm-hmm. Zimbardo first actually offered him to be a spy. Like, he <gasps> offered him the role of being a spy oh. in the experiment. Be a spy for what? Just to, like... How are the prisoners speaking and talking? What's going on? Like, to let the superintendent of the prison know. Like, he was basically going to be a snitch. Interesting. He was like, no. No, he was like, I want to leave. I feel (laughs) terrible. Please, no. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So. That would have been, like, an interesting. It would have been interesting. I want to know what would have happened if he would have said this. I know. Like, what would he have noticed or, like, what would he have brought back to Zimbardo? Yeah. I would have lied. (laughs) <laughs> you yeah. I would fly to he is the one that wanted to come back and break them out he could have just lied <laughs> oh yeah. he was the one that wanted to break them out yeah, yeah. that's funny yeah um so they, in, they should have had that from the start though they should have like that's what I was saying like for both sides too yeah. for the guards and prisoners yeah. they yeah. should have had a isn't that a thing in psychology that there should be something that like relates to both things a yeah control? is that what I don't know psychology terms that like, controlled Variable? variable? Controlled variable. Independent variable? Something yeah, like independent that. Variable. Something like that. Something where like you choose and you know what's going to happen yeah. with this part yeah. of the experiment. Yes. Something where there's no bias yes. to see, mm-hmm. obviously. Which he did not have one. Yeah. Another flaw. I don't think any Another flaw. <laughs> so, like Mark said, whenever they had the parents come in and they like cleaned it up, make it look nice, gave them a good meal so that they wouldn't be like hungry when they were talking to their parents. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually had them write letters to home before this. And interesting enough, one of the prisoners, prisoner 7258, signed his letter home with his number, not his oh. name. So he That's signed so it prisoner sad. 7258. Oh. 
That's that's just so crazy. I mean, like that obviously shows like that de-individualization. Mm-hmm. But like to sign like a letter home a to letter your parents home. after only four days. Yeah. yeah, like it had to be recent because it was before the visitors at all. Yeah, yeah, like three four days. Yeah, yeah. I I understand. Like they had no concept of time. There were no clocks, no windows, or anything. So it probably felt so much longer than four days. Yeah, but yeah. that's such a short amount of time to lose yourself in. Yeah, I remember, like, in the documentary that you're talking about, mm-hmm. they um, they said, like, almost, like, every two hours, or I don't remember the timeline, but they would have the prisoners all line up and, like, say their names and, like, do roll, mm-hmm. like, call roll every day and every so many hours just so that way they would, like, familiar, with familiarize. With their numbers. Yeah. That's familiarize crazy. Familiarize themselves and everyone, with their and everyone numbers. else's number. Right. Yeah. So they, like, know who to call yeah. and everything. I think even they said, like... In one of the articles that I scrolled through, that some of the people after the experiment would still identify themselves by the number. Like, they were just, like, introducing themselves and be like, hi, I'm blah, blah, blah. And then they'd be, I mean, actually, my name's Sophia. Like, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, you imagine being in, like, a communications class, like, the next semester? (laughs) You're like, hey, I'm 416. Sorry, no. Um." Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That's insane. Yeah. That reminds me of something I read. I, I th- want to say it was in Zimbardo's book, but I could be wrong. But I read something that said that there were no, like, long-lasting effects of it. But yeah. obviously that's <sighs> obviously. That a lie. Because yeah. they were, like, we had them, like, write diaries. We had them go under, like, psychological checks yeah. afterwards. And Zimbardo's like, they're fine. Everything's Zimbardo's fine. Zimbardo's like, yeah, none of them have any problems. Mm-hmm. They're fine. That's obviously a lie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I even... Like, knowing just, like, the surface level of the experiment, you're, like, you would be messed up for, for, about, for a long time. Yeah. Right? yeah. And for Zimbardo to say that nothing happened to them afterwards. I know, um... Come on. In Stanford's, like, school newspaper, in one of the letters to the editor, um, one of the prisoners actually wrote to them mm-hmm. and said that they weren't chosen by a flip of a coin. Oh. Which I don't know if... I can trust the prisoner. Like, I know that's weird to say. It makes me feel like I'm part of the experiment because I'm like, you're the prisoner, I can't trust you. Yeah. But, like, because Zimbardo's saying all of this, like, they were chosen randomly, like, they were fine after we did checks, it was fine. And then years later, this prisoner writes to the editor of the Stanford newspaper and is like, I'm hearing that we were chosen by a flip of a coin. No, we weren't. How would the prisoner know they were chosen by a flip of a coin, though? I don't know. And that's why I'm like, kind of wary to believe it because yeah. i think mm-hmm. one of the th- questions they asked during like the interviews was would you prefer be to be a prisoner, prisoner or, or guard? guard so they probably thought that that's was what they chose they, like they just happened answer. to say oh i want to i'd be yeah, a prisoner i want to be a prisoner and so that you became a prisoner, prisoner and they didn't know they flipped a coin oh, yeah. yeah that Maybe. could be it i just thought that was really I interesting i don't think they would have told you that Oh, you were chosen at random because that kind of i think that defeats the purpose yeah. of yeah. choosing at random because yeah. i know um at the beginning of the Quiet Rage documentary, it showed Zimbardo, like, debriefing everybody that was chosen for the experiment. And he was like, here's how it's going to work out. And I'm pretty sure he mentioned, like, the flip of a coin. Huh. So I feel like they would have known, but, like, maybe they didn't do it. Maybe they did. I think it's just hearsay at this point. Yeah. Right? Um, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I have something. Oh, were you going to say something? Yeah, no, go ahead. Okay. Um, so when the experiment ended, um, when Zabara went in and was like, the, sorry, the experiment's over, 
you can go. None of the uh, prisoners reacted. They were just like, what do you mean? What, what do you mean? Like, this is not English to me. But then Zimbardo said it again and said that the prison was closed. And then that's when they had their reactions. What? So my question is, was it a delayed reaction because they're shocked that it's finally over? Or were they, or was it because of the mindset that they were in a prison? I think like, it's the, the mindset. Because it took him saying prison is yeah. closed. That they were like, oh, we can leave. Yeah. yeah. I just thought that was interesting if it was, like, a delayed reaction because they were like, oh, thank God, finally it's over. Yeah. Or if it was yeah. like, oh, the prison that I am a prisoner in is right. closed. I can, right. I'm free. So yeah. they're still in that mentality of thinking yeah. that I'm a prisoner, I'm just being released now yeah. instead of, oh, the experiment is over. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought that was, yeah. that was interesting. It really gives um, a different perspective as to what, like, prisons – actually are like like yeah. is this really yeah. how the psychological effects are for actual prison prisoners yeah. that are like caught and convicted and have mm-hmm. to like go through that entire process like is that why like some of the outcomes happen the way they do when they're released mm-hmm. or like you know it just it really puts a lot of things into perspective and makes you wonder and ask more questions yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think definitely people involved with the experiment were asking that as well because oh, yeah. another fun fact, hold on to your seats. <laughs> um, remember 8612? Oh, yes. The man that the legend. Doug, gotta love Doug. He actually went on to work as a prison psychologist oh. for like 15 years. Like that's what he did for a living. Wow. After all of, like he was the one they had to let go because it was yeah. just too tough. So he decided to pursue it to help other prisoners in the same position that he was in, wow. even though his position was was fake. Was fake. Yeah. Wow. yeah. So that's what he did. I, oh my gosh, I saw him come up on the Quiet Rage documentary, and it said prison psychologist, and I said, "You're kidding." <laughs> I said, "You're joking right now." That's that's just such a big piece of irony. And yeah. Then, like it was crazy. He was like, it actually helped me a lot to actually learn like why my brain was doing what it was mm-hmm. doing and like it brings him like a sense of I don't want to say joy but like Not joy I know but what maybe you're like saying control over like, the situation and like, like yeah. closure and closure yeah. like he could fix what happened to him maybe yeah. with real people in that situation yeah cuz he's like I see prisoners every day now that like we're in the same thought process that I was in mm-hmm. all those years ago and I'm like that's crazy yeah wow insane Jeez. Okay. Are we ready to hear the conspiracy theory about yes. the Navy? Remember, this was funded by the Navy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And according to the American Psychological Association, a quiet rage is also used to educate role-playing military interrogators in the Navy SEER program. They... Which... <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> so they used... The documentary. I'm assuming the documentary had clips of... It had clips of the experiment. Of the experiment. And Zimbardo and the narrated, like, the whole thing. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they used that to show military... Military guards? Navy mm-hmm. interrogators. Navy interrogators? Mm-hmm. How to do their job? Yeah. The Navy SEER program. And SEER stands for Survival, Evasion, and Resistance. Um, and they used it to educate people... Um, on the potential dangers of abusing their power against others who roleplay pretend spies and terrorists. Oh my gosh. 
Wait, so they gave them the money before the experiment, thinking and knowing that this is probably going to happen, so they're gonna... That was the conspiracy, yes. Oh. It's not proven. Okay, it's conspiracy. It's so, conspiracy. Because, like, how would they know that that was the yeah. effect that was gonna happen? Because the timeline is, they funded it, the Stanford Prison Experiment happened, it went wrong, Yeah. Um, and now they're using it to educate the Navy SEER program of, like, like, not do this. Don't do this. Mm. Yeah. I don't think it is So they a, could just be making, um, like, a good thing out of a bad, bad situation. Thing, yeah. yeah. But also, I can see how you could assume or... Assume, yeah. Um, yeah. I feel speechless right now. That's so, that's <laughs> yeah. so shocking. I know. I saw I that. I would have never expected that to be the conspiracy theory. <laughs> no, I thought it was going to be something so, like... Like, I don't know. I just I wasn't expecting that. I didn't even expect to find a conspiracy theory. I thought it was just like cut and dry. This went wrong. Yeah. yeah. But I was like, wow. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it's a plausible conspiracy theory in the yeah. end. Yeah. I could believe it. I feel like that there was so many ways to figure out power dynamics and prisons without making a prison. Right. Like, why not just observe a real prison? Right. Yeah. Why do yeah. you have to make your just own? Just put cameras in there and figure it out. Observe, mm-hmm. yeah. Observe a real prison, interview some prisoners. Because right. they had that... Get the background information on yeah. them. Yeah. Because they had a actual prisoner, somebody that was in prison there, observing mm-hmm. with them. Yeah. Trying to make it as realistic as Trying possible. Trying to make it as realistic as possible. So, like... Why not interview him or <laughs> anyone else? Or just other yeah. prisoners. Anyone else. Yeah. <laughs> Do anything else except traumatize people who were fine before. Were fine fine before. before. <laughs> yeah, they're like, they were a fine psychological health. Well, not anymore. <laughs> no, not, not anymore. anymore. Nope. Wow. So. That's, that's the Stanford Prison yeah. Experiment. What it was, what it did, how it's relevant. Yeah. Thanks for listening.